Now I want to show who is the best listener and how we also can be a better listener. Especially in the book of the Psalms, we find numerous times occasions where David and others had called out to God. We find phrases such as, hear me, O God, or hear me, O Lord, or incline your ear to me, Lord, asking for God to listen to him. What does it mean to listen? Listen is defined by Merriam-Webster as to pay attention to someone or something in order to hear what is being said, sung, or played, etc. We think about being the, the best listener that we can. We find the Bible gives examples and gives insight about what it means to be a good listener. And while we may think this is kind of a topic that really isn't necessary, but we want to make sure as we go through this, this is going to lead us to help us remember who is truly the best listener of all. We want to begin by thinking about what poor listeners do. What do poor listeners do? Poor listeners will unfairly judge without knowledge. When we begin to talk to someone or someone begins to talk to us, we begin to make snap judgments too quickly or begin to make judgments too quickly before we know what is being discussed, we'll make unfair judgments. The friends of Job are a great example of this. They had no real understanding of Job's true situation. If you look at Job chapter 4, we find that they made a judgment, a call against him and continued to pronounce it against him over and over. Looking at Job chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, here one of his, one of his friends speaking says, Is not your reverence your confidence, and the integrity of your way is your hope? Remember now, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the upright ever cut off? We know that the so-called friends of Job repeatedly told him that the reason these hard times were coming against, and the reason he was suffering was because he had sinned against God. He had transgressed God in some way. Thus there in verse 7, they say, Or where were the upright ever cut off? Their thinking was that, well, you sinned against God, and so every single time you sinned against God, you're going to be punished. And so they say there in verse 7, Where were the upright ever cut off? Where were the upright ever punished? You say you have done nothing wrong, then why are you going through these difficult times? Now for us today, looking back, we can ask ourselves, when we go through difficult times, is it always because we have sinned against God? No. We may be those who are having to live a Christian life and walking in the light, as the Bible tells us to, but that doesn't always keep the tornado from coming for our house, does it? It doesn't always keep the job market from crashing and various things such as that. And so just because... Someone has sinned as they accuse Job of here does not mean that bad things can come upon them because they have sinned. No doubt they can. But also doesn't mean that because it also, though, we have realized that while we are living a life that's pleasing to God, that bad things can still happen to us as well. And so they are an example of unfair judgment without knowledge. They didn't understand what really was going on with Job. And we'll come back to more about them later. When something else that poor listeners do is they pretend to care. They pretend to care. Look at Psalm 69, looking at verse 20. He says, Your reproach has broken my heart. 
and I am full of heaviness. He says, I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. This makes you think about Job. He had three friends, but they were not comforters. In fact, he would say later they were, they were miserable comforters, and they were lousy at it because they didn't provide him with any comfort at all. False concern is not concern, nor is it love either when it comes to listening to others who are in needing a, an ear to, to bend, so to speak. Another thing that happens when someone pretends to care is they sometimes will quietly mock them. If we pretend to care, sometimes we say things against people because we don't really care about them at all. Now, don't get ahead of me. We're going to come back and talk about those who are wanting to, have, wanting to bend someone's ear because it's not just the listener. It's also the one who is talking we're going to talk about here in a moment. But when, when someone is coming to us, we cannot judge them too quickly, and we, especially without knowledge, and we cannot pretend to care because in life, we have to realize that life is hard and sometimes people need someone to talk to. And we find that throughout the Bible. We find that especially in the Psalms where David many times calls out to God. But it's not unique just to the Psalms either. So those are just two things. We go on and on. But those are just two things that poor listeners do. They, they uh, falsely judge without knowledge and they pretend to care. But what do good listeners do? What do good listeners do? Good listeners listen and desire to understand. Listening and understanding is a necessity to provide help in any form. There will be those at times who come up to you and ask you to, to talk with you, and sometimes they don't want to give the full story, and sometimes it's hard to offer help to someone who doesn't want to tell you a whole lot. doesn't mean we cannot pray for them, but... We want to listen and understand before we can offer much help, can't we? Praying is good, but sometimes we can do things ourselves to help them also. But we have to first be those willing to listen and to understand so we can provide help in some form. When we understand needs and situations to the best of our ability, then help can be provided. We have to first listen and desire to understand, don't we? There are situations sometimes that we hear about, we think, I don't understand what's going on. And you go and talk with someone, you go and talk with that person, later you come to realize, okay, I understand what's happening now. And that's the idea we want to realize. We want to be able to listen and to understand. I've been asked many times, the various times over the years, to give my two cents on something and have to tell people, I don't know what you're talking about. How can I make a comment on something I have no idea what you're talking about? I don't pick sides. I try not to. And I've had people say, well, you know, you need to really pick a side on this and we don't know what's going on. How can we understand when we don't know what's really going on? So we must have been given the opportunity to also to listen and to understand. So we want to listen and desire to understand whatever situation we're dealing with. And we also want to have a genuine care and genuine concern Genuine concern prays for and listens to others. We pray for and we listen to others. Because sometimes when we have people come and talk with us or we go and talk with someone else, we want them to care. They may not understand fully what's going on for, some, for a little while until they think about it and pray about it and begin to understand what they can be doing or how they can help you. But we want at least that care there, that genuine care and genuine concern. 
Genuine concern means love for the person. It doesn't have to be in the sense that we love them, in the sense that we love our spouse. We can love them like a brother or sister in Christ. We love them like a friend or something of that nature. But it shows love on some level for that person because we care for them. I don't think any of us want something bad to happen to a stranger in the sense that if we can help them, we will. And on that level, we, we do care for them, don't we? We want to make sure that we do our, do our very best to show genuine concern because that, that does mean love for that person. Also, a lack of concern definitely shows a lack of love. Think about Joe's friends, how they had a lack of love, and they condemned him instead of exhorting him. And he talks about that in Job 16, beginning in verse 1. Here he says, And Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. He wasn't wrong with that. Shall, shall words of wind have, have an end? Or what provokes you that you answer? I also, he says here, I also could speak as you do. If your soul was, were in my soul's place, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. But I would strengthen you with my mouth, and the comfort of my lips would relieve your grief. He's saying, I could, if you were in my situation, he says, I could talk about you the way you're talking about me. I could beat you down with my words. But he says there in verse 5, he says, but I wouldn't. He says, but I would strengthen you with my mouth, and the comfort of my lips will relieve your grief. He's saying, I would encourage you, not peep up, as he says in verse 4, words against you. They did not have a genuine concern with Job. Their concern was, you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong. You're in the wrong. And replay that about a thousand times, so it would speak. They never encouraged him. They only condemned him. And in Job 16, Job responds at least briefly about that. So we have a genuine, genuine concern for people. We pray for them. We, we show love for them by our concern. And also we must remember that God listens to us and knows us better than anyone. Because you can't talk about being a better listener, being the best listener, unless you're talking about God. God listens to us and knows us better than anyone. Looking at Psalm 17 and verse 6, here the psalmist says, I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. He says, I have called upon you, for you will hear me. He knows that God is going to listen. That's why he goes to God. That's why he goes to God with his whatever concern it may be, because God never pretends to care. God never mocks us for needing him. And in 75, we look at Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16, that God and the Son know more about temptation, sin, and hardship than anyone else on earth. You look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. He says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, what does that mean? Because Christ knows what it's like to be on earth and to have temptation and hardship. He knows what that feels like. Let us therefore, he says, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God does not mock us for needing him. He wants us to come to him. He knows that we need him, and he knows that he is the only one who can provide us with true hope and true encouragement. 
God listens to us. He does not pretend to care. He doesn't mock us. He doesn't judge us falsely. He only uses righteous judgment in all aspects of listening to us. Some things for us to think about today. God and good listeners are for you. God and those who listen to you want the very best for you. I hope we want our brothers and sisters in Christ to prosper in the sense that we want them to have good health. We want them to grow in the Lord. We want them to grow closer to God. We want them to be encouraged by us. We want to be encouragement to one another. We want the best for one another. They want to be a help and not a stumbling block. Those for you want you to follow God's word through life. And we'll use this as their standard for encouragement in any advice they give. Look at Psalm 34. <clears throat> Psalm 34, looking at verses 18 and 19. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves the such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. We think about what that means. It means that God can help us when no others can. He says there in verse 18, he says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. That's the reference to a humble spirit, someone who comes to God, not in arrogance, not in saying, I don't really need you, God, but I'm supposed to pray to you, so here I am. That's not what he's talking about. We come to God because we know without a shadow of a doubt that we need him. We know that he is the one who's going to answer our prayers. And we go to God also by opening up our Bibles and reading and studying to know how we can respond to whatever comes our way. The Lord is near, he says, to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Think about that for a moment. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Affliction is a reference to hardships, isn't it? Trouble, hard times, difficulties. We can place all kinds of things under that umbrella of afflictions. He says, are the afflictions of the righteous. But he says there in verse 19, who it is who delivers us out of them all. He says it's the Lord who delivers him out of them all. And he does the same for us today as well. God and those who listen to us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, want the very best for us. Again, they do not want us, they do not want to be a stumbling block. And they want to make sure that when they give advice or words of encouragement, that's based upon God's word. Sometimes in the afternoons you have those talk shows on and they offer different advice to different situations and sometimes the situations are just ridiculous. But sometimes the answers are as well, aren't they? They're not based upon godliness. They're based upon worldliness and whatever level of ed ed education that person has had. But see, the Christian, the one who is wanting to offer up good advice, they use God's word as their standard, which means what they tell you is going to be based upon the principles found in God's word. How do we combat sin in our life? We repent of it. We work to keep it out. We make safeguards in our lives to keep those things out. And on and on that list goes. And as we reminded in Psalm 34, 18 and 19, it's the Lord who delivers us ultimately out of all those afflictions. God and good listeners are for you. But also think about this. Response matters. 
when we go to someone wanting help, including when we go to God, how we respond has a very big part of it. People can give us all the great advice in the world, but we ignore it. Nothing is going to change. And we say, don't go out here and drive into oncoming traffic in the rain. It's a bad idea. It's very dangerous. And we ignore it. What happens? We put ourselves in danger, don't we? Our response matters. Those in need need more than a listener. They themselves must act upon godly words of encouragement. Look at Isaiah chapter 12, looking here at verse 1. He says, In that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. God comforts, or godly comfort comes with change or repentance. We find there in verse 1, that's what he's talking about. Your anger is turned away. Why was it turned away? Because of repentance. Because of God's mercy. He says, I will praise you, though you were angry with me. Why? Because he was in the wrong. Your anger is turned away and you comfort me. See, when we make godly decisions and turn back to God, if it involves sin, then we are going to be, find, be those who find godly comfort. If you seek help, whether it be from God, and that should be where we go first, or from godly influences, you have to first be willing to say, I'm willing to make whatever changes are necessary. If someone who's an alcoholic comes to you and wants advice, and we give them Bible-based advice, and they go on their way not changing anything, are we at fault? No. That person who's ignored us, ignored that godly Bible-based advice, they're the ones who's at fault, not us. You know, sometimes you'll hear people come come and talk to you about things and they come back later and they say, well, you know, you, you didn't do this for me. You didn't do this for me. That's where you think about that phrase, you can lead a horse to water if you can't make a drink. Well, let's be honest, there's some brethren who'd like to make them drink, wouldn't you? You need to change this. You need to correct this. Because if you don't, God's not pleased with you now. He won't be on judgment day if you don't change it. Looking at Psalm 30, verse 5, we find that change is painful, but joy does come in the morning. Look at Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger, anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. He's talking about how pain of change is temporary compared to the everlasting effects that it brings. He says, for anger is but for a moment. God is angry with us. And let's realize this as well. When we make changes sometimes, people in our lives, they may be angry with us. You want to obey the gospel? You want to, you know, join the church, be a part of the body of Christ, join the Lord's church, your obedience to the gospel? You're going to have some, you aren't going to like that. And the list goes on and on. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor, he says there in verse 5, is for life. It is unending Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Change is painful, but joy, the benefits of repentance and change will follow. Many times in life, painful changes bring the most reward, don't they? The most difficult trail many times has the best view, doesn't it? The most winding road has the best skyline at the end. Making those difficult changes bring about the greatest rewards because God is the one who's waiting for us at the end.
He is the one who gives us that favor that lasts for all life. He is the one who gives us joy that comes in the morning. You think about that idea, the joy that comes in the morning. He pictures the change of the difficult changes as being taking place in a dark and stormy night. And he's he's weeping, he is he is afraid, he's in pain, but the joy comes at sunrise when everything clears. We must be those willing to make those difficult changes in life. We can't just be those who want someone to listen. We have to be those who want to change as well. The listener must be the one who is willing to help others make difficult changes. But rest assured, friends, we go to someone asking for help, and they give us godly, Bible-based advice, and we turn away from it, we're not just turning away from them. In reality, if it's Bible-based, we're turning away from God, aren't we? Someone who tells you, well, that's sinful. The Bible says it right here, so you need to repent and stop doing that. We say, I'm not doing that. You turn away from God just then, too. You just at God, didn't you? We cannot be those who act that way or think that way. Those who refuse to act cannot be helped. The best listener realizes that those who don't want to change, we can't make them. We can't make people come out of their sins. We can't make people get off their couch and come to worship service. We can't make people put their jobs second. We can't make them realize that God is first. We can't make them do those things, can we? But we can help. We can definitely encourage them to do so. Having the same problem because of the lack of desire to act is the fault of the person in need, not God or those offering sound godly words. Those who will not help themselves cannot be helped. You can take people to the soup kitchen every day, but you can't make them go out and get a job, can you? You can take people to the Bible, but you can't make them obey it. We can definitely do our very best to show them the way. We can pray for them, but we cannot forcibly help them. Sometimes it's even our, on our own. It's some, sometimes it's even our own who will not change. What I mean by that, sometimes it's even our own brethren who will not change. When they read what the Bible requires of them, what the Bible condemns, they will not change. It's not on us, it's on them. Look at Psalm 55, verse 19. He says, God will hear and afflict them. Even he who abides from old, talking about his friends of old. You read Psalm 55, it's a very disheartening section there. He talks about how his own brethren, not friends or enemies, but brethren had walked away and betrayed him. Verse 19 is the summary when he comes to the end of that, saying, I could deal with all these things. They weren't my friends. They weren't my brethren. It wasn't those who had gone to the house of the Lord with. He's saying those are the people he's walked away from him. And in verse 19, he says, God will hear and afflict them. He's talking about those individuals. Even he who abides from old, because they do not change, Therefore, they do not fear God. Now, that's a tough one, isn't it? They do not change. Therefore, that is, as a result, they do not fear God. If we refuse to change from evil things and evil patterns in our lives, we don't really fear God. Think about this for a moment. If we really believe that Judgment Day is coming, and it is, will we make changes very, very quickly? If you saw the fires lit up at the plant and working its way this direction, what would you do? 
Would you stand here and say, ah, it'll never reach here? Because we know the Oklahoma wind never carries a fire anywhere, right? It'll never reach here. We'll just think we'll be just fine. We don't need to change. We've always stayed here as the fires get closer and closer. And sin is the same way. It'll never reach me as it gets closer and closer. And in verse 19, he says here, because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. As we close this morning, we have to realize we want the very best listener, don't we? We want the listener who listens. We want the person who truly listens. We want the person who truly cares. We want the person who truly offers help. And we want the person who is always there. And look who it is. It's always God. God is the one who listens. God is the one who cares. God is the one who offers help. And God is the one who is always there. You know, sometimes we call people and it happens. We understand that. But we don't, we're not able to get in touch with them. You get that voicemail. I understand sometimes that happens. You miss the call, right? That's what they're called that for a reason. If God was to have a call list, you know, there wouldn't be a missed call on it. He always responds, doesn't he? He always listens. He always cares. He always offers help. And he is always there. We know to whom we should turn. And we know he will always provide the answers. When we open up the Word of God, we find the answers from God Himself. Sometimes today we think that God has to speak to us in a direct way, in some miraculous way. Well, friends, He does speak to us today in a very direct way through His Word. He tells us how we ought to live, how we ought to raise our children, how we ought to treat one another. The problem is not with God. The problem has always been with us. You think about going back to Adam and Eve, even in a garden. The problem wasn't God. The problem wasn't the garden. The problem was with Adam and Eve. For us today, the problem is not with God. The problem is with us. God is the very best listener. But we today, as well as Christians, we want to be the very best listener as well. Because, yes, we want people to turn to God. We're gonna, the first thing we're going to ask, or hopefully one of the things we're going to ask very first, is ask them if they have prayed to God about it. And if there's sin in their life, have they repented of it? And then from there, at least for me, that's where we work forward. Have you prayed about it? Have you repented of sin that may be in your life? Now let's talk about it. Because those two things are the very first things you have to address. Have you prayed to God about it? Well, no, not yet. Makes you think it's really that important after all. Have you prayed to God about it? Yes. Have you repented of any sins in your life? No, not yet. Must not be that important. We pray we analyze our lives and we repent of any sins we may have, and then we begin to look forward to how we can make changes in our lives based upon whatever situation may be, using God's word as the standard. Again, you go back to Psalm, uh, to the book of Psalms, going back looking at Psalm 30 and verse 5. Where did he go? He went to God. Psalm 55, where did he go? He went to God. His friends didn't, but he went to God. If we want to be the very best listener, we will learn from God. Did Christ listen when people came to him? Every time. Did the apostles listen when people came to them? 
I'll say at least most of the time because they're human. But Christ always listened. God always listened. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to be those who listen and respond based upon biblical principles. Because that's how God responds. He responds according to his will, which is according to his word. And that's how we want to respond as well. We want to listen. And if we're the one who is speaking, we want to be the one who is ready to respond and make whatever changes God requires of us. This morning, as you think about these things, we can help you or encourage in any way. You can come forward now.